0: Alicia, Jess and I would like to dedicate this episode to one of our colleagues who recently passed away. She had an impact on all of our nursing careers and we will never forget her.
1: Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast,
0: the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. BizCare have proudly partnered with the National Breast Cancer Foundation to start a conversation. When's the last time you checked your breasts? Early detection of breast cancer can start with a simple self-assessment. So check your breasts today and be breast aware.
1: Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Jessica.
0: The podcast that will pick you up after life has kicked you down.
1: Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing.
0: Imagine you're sitting at home and suddenly your partner collapses. You call an ambulance and you and your partner's lives are about to change forever. They're going to get a devastating diagnosis that will affect every member of your family. But unfortunately, it isn't going to be the only devastating diagnosis that they receive in a short space of time.
1: Today is one of our patient experience series. We are talking to Brad and Holly Jones, a young couple who have had more than their fair share of time in hospital, most of it for traumatic reasons and with a rare, mostly unknown condition. This is likely going to be a two part episode because there is a lot to discuss from both the patient and from the wife slash parent perspective.
0: Brad and Holly, it's great to have you here today. Welcome.
2: Hello. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Why don't we start with a little bit about who you are, Brad? You want to tell us um, a little bit about you?
3: Yeah. So I'm I'm Bradley. Uh, I'm 32 years of age. I'm a husband and a father, and I have a few uh, medical conditions. Um, yeah, just a few.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Holly. Hi, um, so I am obviously Bradley's wife <laughs> and uh, we have, yeah, two young boys together. I'm Ernie, 29, and yeah, been together <laughs> for 11 years now. I know, Bradley. you guys have been
0: together for ages. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so long.
0: <laughs> Holly used to be Amelia's, um, she was like one of Amelia's first uh, educators at um, daycare when she first And when Willow first and moved. Dixie also.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. too.
0: Yeah, Amelia loved Holly. Yeah, everybody <laughs> I, loved Holly.
1: I
2: still remember the day she, she Amelia came in with her, her um little moo moo. Oh yeah,
0: she
1: still she has little moo <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Um, so Brad
0: has um as I said was diagnosed with a a devastating diagnosis, and I I wrote that term, and then I was like, oh, it really is like a devastating <laughs> diagnosis, um, can you tell us about the first time that you went to hospital and how you were diagnosed with um, your condition and what your condition is?
3: Yep. So um, so I'm officially diagnosed with uh, VEDS, which stands for Vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, and I also, the other health condition is CML, chronic myeloid leukaemia. Uh, the very first time, uh, I was actually at home on the loo, um, <laughs> doing, yeah, doing me business. And all of a sudden I started to get really, uh, lightheaded, blurred vision, um, started to feel a bit unstable sitting on the toilet, um, chest pain, which was radiating from the front of the chest area all the way through to the back, then running straight up the back of my spine to my neck and shoulders, um. So Holly from memory, I think, was at work at the time. No, was uh, I, I was at home. Uh, I wasn't at work that day for whatever reason. I was at home with our eldest uh, son, and he was actually close by. So I managed to um, get up and call Holly at work, um, and she straight away said, "I oh, better ring the ambulance." Um, a bit silly at the time, but actually rang me father for a second opinion. <laughs> and um, he, he pretty much agreed. Yeah. You better ring an ambulance. Um, so at the time for me, I've obviously never had any issues before. So I was a little bit unsure what was going on, um, but I was well aware of what heart attack symptoms and that uh, could be. And to me at the time, that's what I was thinking was going on because Obviously, a bit of family history, history prior to my events. Um, how old was,
0: were you,
2: Brad, when you when this happened?
3: Uh, oh, oh, how old was I?
2: So Hunter was two years old.
3: Yeah.
2: You would have been 27. Yeah.
0: And from what yes. I remember back then, you were pretty active. Like, you played footy, you ran, you were, yeah. like, pretty so, fit sorry. and healthy.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Perry, yeah, I was playing footy for the local footy club and working yeah. and, um, yeah, I've always been a pretty active person. So um, it was yeah. very unusual for something like that to occur. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at the time, so I followed the advice that I was given by my dad and my partner and called the ambulance. Um, they assessed me over the phone, which they do with everyone, and the ambulance comes straight out. Um, and Holly, I think you rushed home from work, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Holly rushed home from work. Um, and the Ambos they took me in the ambulance and said, i will take you to chuca. That was their destination at the time." So we flew over there, and um, I was admitted straight away through emergency. Um, and they started to do all the the tests they do if someone comes in with I don't know heart attack symptoms, I suppose. Um, anyway, so they did like all your troponin levels and whatnot, and. Um, after a, quite a bit of rig, rigulous, I can't say that word. Uh, yeah, that word. Yeah, we, <laughs> we get it. it. We get it. Yeah, yeah. With all the testing, yeah. um, but at the time they couldn't really come back with anything. Everything seemed to come back pretty mm. normal.
2: All they could say so, was uh, that your troponin levels had risen.
3: Yeah, that was the only thing, but mm. they couldn't suspect anything else. They, you know, it was a bit, bit of an odd one. Mm. Obviously, mm. being. 27 at the time coming in with that. It's very unusual for someone so healthy. Um. So anyway, they, uh, what do they do hold? They over?
2: referred you to a cardiologist in Melbourne who yep. had previously already seen your family members because of your family history.
3: Yeah, that's and right. And they
2: just said, follow up with the cardiologist in two weeks time, but you didn't even make it to two weeks before you had another major um, dissection.
3: Yeah, so, you so, didn't
0: have any scans, no chest x rays, like nothing. No, in that no not at work. the time,
3: no, because it wasn't like, you know, obviously now I get all that done because of my situation, yeah, but at the time, you know, it didn't <clears throat> really make sense to do that with me.
1: Sure. Not a typical presentation.
3: Yeah. Of... Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It sort of left him a bit baffled over in the Chuka. So, um, And it was a first-time event, too, which is understandable for them as well, so.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and then a few weeks later, that was the start of the second event, so.
1: Gosh, it must have been Um, terrifying.
2: Yeah, it was. I was was pregnant at the time, too. I remember Um, just thinking, oh, my God, like, what is going on?
3: Yeah, it was a bit of the unknown. scary. Yeah.
0: You Said you had family history, just give us a quick rundown of that before we move. Yeah,
3: so I had a. I'll start. We had a um, or, a, or I have an auntie who um passed away um, at an early age. Um, and just uh, she passed away from um, I'm pretty sure it was a dissection in the corroded artery in her neck, yeah. Um and then, yeah, that, that was a serious one. And she unfortunately passed away due to that.
0: And did they know she had vets?
3: No, 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 okay. no one, no one uh, knew before, before me knew at all. Um, right. So it was the unknown. And then I think it was two years later, my, my mother, she passed away um, due to, she actually had a heart attack at home, a, a pretty good heart attack and, She was taken to the Shepparton Hospital um, where then she was then rushed um, down to Melbourne. Um, They ended up stenting her. I think it was maybe three times. I think they might have stented her due to the heart attack. Um, So the stents and all that went well. It was a success and she was meant to make a full recovery. And then that night after the stents, she had um, what they they class as an implosion with the heart. Where pretty much from the inside out just goes. Um, And the stents obviously didn't hold. And um, yeah, she, from what we were told, she passed away in her sleep. um,
2: From dissection? From,
3: yeah, dissection and implosion. So, oh gosh. At at the time, it was like, you know, they didn't know anything about all this family history. So they just put it down, you know, it was unfortunate and really bad luck. And
2: it was just, it was looked at um, as two sisters had died and it was yeah. just a really um, bad coincidence. Yeah, there was
3: no dots joined, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, you have your first incident and you're like, well, maybe I have a cardiac history. I'm going to have cardiac problems. And Definitely. then a couple of weeks later you have your second event. Do you want to yeah. tell us about that?
3: Yeah, so the second one, very straightforward, this one. Like I wasn't even on the loo for this one. <laughs> um, I, was actually, I was actually on the couch just watching a bit of TV and, Straight away, got that um, blurred vision, dizziness, uh, headache, um, chest pain radiating from the front to the back, you know, sa- similar uh, set up to the last time, very similar to what they um, characterise as heart attack symptoms. Um, so obviously the second time I thought, yeah, no, this is very similar to that first. So this time we rang the ambulance straight away um, and this time they took me straight over to Sheppenham, which they, uh did troponin levels and all the you know the generic things they do and um this time it come back the troponin levels were quite high um and i'm pretty sure with this time they did do the ct scans with the contrast um, which lit up all my vessels and he come back and goes oh we've um, found you've had a couple of dissections um they couldn't really give me much more, but they, you know, were saying, you know, your troponin levels really high, so you've had a bit of heart damage. They believed, mm. um, and um, they were a bit worried. So this time, they actually teed up the uh, plane, the uh, the ambulance plane. I don't know what they officially call it, but at the and Air, um, uh Kaila Airport they jumped me on that and flew me straight to uh, Melbourne. And um, I ended up at the St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. Um, I was on the, it was over the stroke ward or the vascular ward, something like that, um, where they uh, did some more tests and did the rundown. And that's when I found out I had um, a dissection in the left groin in one of the arteries branching off off that. Um, was that was that the only one hole I had there?
2: Um, and you had a dissection in your aorta. Yeah. And, and I might yeah. just add two to that, that was the first time that you had a dissection that you was were you couldn't respond to me because I had gotten out of the shower with Hunter, and I was saying to you, Brad, can you get Hunter dressed? I got to go to work, and you you were just sitting there, yeah, and I didn't right. Jerry, and I'm like, Brad. Like get under dress, I gotta go, yeah. and he's just, <laughs> just sitting there. And then you were able, to, and then you just looked at me, and you're like, "Oh, oh, it's happening, it's yeah. happening." And he's like, "I thought I was gonna die." Yeah. And I said, "What? What?" And he's like, "My chest, my chest." And you're like, "I, th- I thought I was gonna die because he couldn't talk. His eyes, mm. like vision, went. Yeah, he just, was in so much more pain this time. He couldn't stand up.
3: Yeah, just to add on that now that Holly's brought back my memory a bit is (laughs) I actually at the time stood up and I was near the heater and I was felt like I was actually going to pass out so I quickly sat down before I had the chance to pass out Mm. and after that time of sitting in the chair Holly I remember that Holly come in was like Brad can you you know help (laughs) Hunter get dressed but it was like I was trapped in my own body I couldn't actually Mm. respond all I could do was look forward and sort of look at her I couldn't
2: couldn't talk
3: I was couldn't move. It was like I was you couldn't
2: in... lift your arms. And yeah. And that was something yeah. that you said to me was my arms, I couldn't move my arms. The pain was insane. Mm-hmm. And I remember the ambulance came so fast this time, and I'm pretty sure they did a little ECG there, and they were like, you need to go straight to hospital. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you had gone to hospital and you had had your CT done with the contrast, they initially had told us, they, the doctor had come and told us that, They didn't find anything Mm. and we were sitting there really puzzled and then 20 minutes later he came rushing back in and said, oh, I'm so sorry, actually, uh, my mistake. We actually found you've had two major dissections. I got someone from St. Vincent's to have a look over it just to double check and they have actually found you've had two dissections. So you then were flown really quickly. So it happened from you're fine, there's nothing wrong, we don't know why you've got your again to oh whoops sorry that's been misread you've you know you've actually need to go now and you were you were gone you were taken and i mean like i had hunter they're going what's going on like you were just
3: Cra- gone, crazy then. thing is too when that when that nurse so i think it was that come into the sheppard and hospital and was telling me that information he actually He'd done like a you know, put the needle in the arm to get bloods or whatever, but Oh, it, don't
2: remind it, me. It went
3: real <laughs> Went haywire. He, some for whatever reason, blood just started squirting out everywhere. All over the wall, it looked like a (laughs) scene like, there was blood everywhere. There was blood on the side of the bed, blood on the wall, and (laughs) this information with blood going everywhere. (laughs) Oh,
2: oh, god, how did I forget? It
3: literally looked like a murder scene. Like, as I was getting wheeled out to go to the airport, there's like a cleaner in there, like cleaning the (laughs) wall. It was crazy. Oh, my god.
0: Did you know that in Australia, 1 in 7 women are diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime? 57 Australians a day are diagnosed. While mammograms are free if you're over 40, you actually aren't notified about them until you're 50. So check your breasts at home every month or with a medical professional because early detection saves lives. BizCare have proudly partnered with the National Breast Cancer Foundation to support their goal of zero deaths from breast cancer. So join them in the inspiring movement to raise awareness and ignite discussions around breast health and getting your breasts checked. So head to biz-care.com and join their fight. Go pink with
3: BizCare.
2: The
0: breast things in life are worth getting checked. It
3: was pretty hectic times and then, yeah, ended up in Melbourne. And, and
2: you spent three weeks there.
3: Yeah, that was a long stint in Melbourne yeah, for that one. Yeah, you
2: had moment. a heart monitor on. You weren't allowed to get up from your bed.
3: Um. Oh. Yeah, and then... Uh, And then obviously with the family history, that's when they decided maybe there's something a bit more going on here. So they looked at the family history and they all come together and they said, we want to put you through genetic testing due to the family history to try and work out what is going on, because this is very abnormal for a young fit, healthy guy to be having this. And, um, they were, it really had everyone puzzled. They didn't know what was going on and why this was occurring. Um, and then that was the next step. It was then to, yeah, we were booked in for the genetic testing, and that was through the Royal Melbourne Hospital for the genetic testing. So, how that
1: long? Took long did it took a while for memory.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Sorry. you go, Jesse. <laughs> we, we asked the same question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how it long, yeah. It took a while from what I remember.
3: Yeah. Uh, it probably felt you-
1: like a lot longer for you guys.
2: Oh. Well, you were diagnosed in January 2019, and I remember we were we were surprised because they called us and said we've got them earlier than expected. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a four month wait.
3: Yeah, but they ended up calling us. What? I think
2: the boys. So Isaac was two months old when he was tested, and Hunter was two. So Isaac was born October, so December would have been Christmas time. Yeah, and we got it back within January.
3: Yeah, and the crazy thing about that was was they when they actually called us, I I had a real bad gut feeling that it was negative news that was yeah. coming back because mm. the lady on the phone, you could tell in her voice, the geneticist, you could tell in her voice something was up because she said, well, oh, look, I don't.
2: Hold on, I'll put you there. Oh, okay. That's a mistake. Backtrack. So it wasn't January 2019 because that's when the boys were tested.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So
2: hold on, yeah. go back. So we, he would have been tested 2018. Okay, we'll start that again. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> you had genetic testing would have been early 2018 because I was still pregnant.
0: Yeah.
2: And <clears throat> at the time.
0: Did yeah. they, when they said they were testing like uh, gen- your genetics, did they have an idea in mind of what it could be? Like they did they say to you it could be VEDS, it could be. Yep. Something else,
3: whatever. Yeah, so VEDS wasn't even on the radar. Um, oh. I should backtrack that when I was actually in the Saint Vincent's Hospital, um, I the, the whole team, like the whole team of doctors and specialists, they they were puzzled. They didn't know what was going on or what it could be. And it was this is really funny now that I talk about this is one of the head vascular surgeons come in and was talking to me, and he goes, "Look, we don't know what's going on." He goes, we're going to get genetic testing to try and work out if there's anything. But he actually said to me at the time, he goes, look, don't be surprised if your genetic testing results come back with nothing at all. He goes, it wouldn't surprise me if you've got no genetic problems at all. And I said to him, well, I said, I know I shouldn't do this, but obviously (laughs) with no one knowing, and, you know. I'm trying to work out what is going on. I actually Googled, um, <laughs> I to Google, I Googled and it was actually Holly's mum had mentioned this vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome due to all the symptoms. Yeah. So I actually googled it, Googled this syndrome myself then. And as I was reading on Google, it was like a checklist. Like I was ticking off in my brain going, yep, that sounds like me. Yes, yes, yes. That's everything that's going on. So then I went back to this vascular surgeon and said, you know, I know I shouldn't, but I did Google and I come across this rare genetic syndrome. I said, is it possible that I got this? And he pretty much laughed at me oh, and said, mate, you no, know, that's very rare. I highly doubt you got that. And he goes, don't be surprised if you come back all clear. And I said, but what's the possibility? He goes, no, nah, it's very rare. It's very uncommon. You will not have that. I guarantee you that. Well, someone's got to have it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, and from memory they then get rare then, things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And from memory, the they then the geneticists then went and tested you for 20 different genetic conditions.
3: Yeah. And one of them was Marfan's syndrome. Oh, well, yeah. Right. Marfan's yeah. oh, syndrome yeah. and EDS. EDS was on the radar, but my particular one is so uncommon that they yeah. don't really because uh, there's 13 to 14 different subtypes of eds yeah. which is
2: ehlers danlos
3: yeah which is ehlers danlos um and some so, of
0: them are really common like some, some of them, them are, are common super yeah. common like that's it yep.
2: kelly and that's the yep. thing too is so many people have heard of um alas danlos syndrome mm. and they just think straight away oh stretchy skin stretchy, yeah. over, my hypermobility yeah. but no one else has actually really heard of vascular aloz dumps. Yeah, so if yeah. you
3: put it on a scale, there's like the common types like um hypermobility and all that. Which is heads. Which is heads. They're mostly common. Mm. And then you go right down to the other yeah. end and heads <laughs> and there's quite a few others that are actually worse off than VEDs as well. So oh, really oh, God. Um yeah so it's pretty I crazy. remember when
0: you told us that you had it and I googled and I thought oh God, I think I actually yeah. said to you, Holly. Yep. After another hospital admission, I was like, "Can you guys just get married now?
2: Like, yes! don't wait. Like, can you
0: please just go and get yeah. married in the courthouse? And or something we did. And yeah. plan your wedding. I know you're gonna get married, yeah. but like, just get married. Like, don't wait. Like, yeah. I, because, because in my you know. head, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is like in my nurse brain oh, where it catastrophize yeah. everything. I was just like, please. I know you're waiting for the wedding, Yay. but like, please go yep. get married. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. But literally, it went on for. Oh, such a long time. It literally yeah. effected, like, every six weeks mm. you would have a new dissection, whether it was yeah. dissections in your lungs, dissections in your arteries, dissections in your aorta. Like
3: and, and mind all you, while all this is going on, like, at I, personally, I felt am I being a hypochondriac? Like mm. I really thought, is this all in my head? And it's like you know, it's nothing
0: were you- being made to feel that way by ambulances or by nursing staff in ed or doctors or like were you being questioned about your symptoms tell you the truth
3: that the ambulance uh the paramedics were fine they never judged me they always commended me for like you know getting the help um it was more that they had honchos at the hospital Mm. it was more the specialists in their fields and that, that sort of, you know, would say, oh, you know, it's probably a no-nothing thing. When I was in St. Vincent's, I, one head honcho doctor or specialist actually accused me of being a cocaine addict. Oh, uh, God. He actually said people who take <laughs> cocaine yep. regularly are, con- are prone to having the dissections. Yeah. And he pretty much said that to my oh. face. Mate, hey, I'm not like a hardcore drudgy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Was yes. this Did after you your diagnosis so as well?
3: And yeah, at the time I was very light, like, like very skinny. I looked sick. So yeah, because you were, you, now, were but... sick, like... <laughs> you were
0: sick. sick. Yeah, yeah,
1: you yeah, were. Yeah. But he
3: pretty much said to me, "Are you a drug addict? Do you do cocaine?" Yeah. Oh my uh, god, I to drugs, and I took real offence to that. I said, "Mate, mm. I am not a druggie." Yeah. Like, yes, I might enjoy a beer here or there. Yeah, but, but no. <laughs> I'm not a hardcore druggie and yeah. you know I took quite offence to that but, because like, yeah, pretty much accused me of being a cocaine addict. And that was yeah.
2: because they just kept saying, "But you're so young. We don't yeah. know why this is happening yeah. to you. Yeah. It's only people who do cocaine." Yeah. Like-
3: <laughs> so I was getting thrown things around like that, yeah. and you know, you get you get the odd nurse, and that would just like sort of laugh it off and go, "Ah, oh, you know." maybe you're just tired or maybe you're stressed and
2: oh, it's not anxiety it's not
3: it's not maybe it's anxiety <laughs> attack maybe you've just got a bit going on and you're you know, like it, it probably
0: it, is all of oh. those things but also like my arteries are dissecting within me like can <laughs> yeah. we just yeah. discuss that yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah
3: but like even even with the proof you were still getting mm. doctors and specialists just sort of brushing it off and going oh well you'll be all right you know mm-hmm. like do you think
0: that's because I didn't understand the yeah. severity of your disease? Yeah.
3: yeah, and especially before, like, I had the results of the genetic diagnosis. Oh. They were saying, obviously, we don't know what it is. So they were just sort of like, you know, they were just brushing, brushing the symptoms off, brushing whatever off. And, you
2: mm-hmm. know, it
3: was really frustrating. As a patient, it was so frustrating. And you sort of second-guess yourself at the time. Yeah. Still, so like, is this all in my head? Like, am I being a hypochondriac? And um, you know, but at the time, you're getting these results back, and then that's proving to yourself, you know, yeah. the, the proofs and the pudding. You've got these results, yeah. you know, you've had dissections, you know, your troponin levels are rising. So it's not all for nothing. These hospital yeah. organizations,
2: there's so many.
3: Um, and back to the genetic testing, so the day we went down. We meet the geneticist, um, and she was a lovely person. Um, we go in, and she's real water in the eyes. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. Mm. Um, and she's almost crying as she's saying hello to us. And I straight away, you straight away go, oh, this is not good news. And she turns to me and goes, I'm so sorry. She goes, You've actually got one of the worst ones. She goes, We've you've got a uh a fault in your uh, what is it called a,
2: in your collagen your
3: cold col- 3a1 so the cold 3a1 which is your type 3 collagen gene um we found a issue with that and that's um the main thing of that is a thing called vascular ehlers-danlos syndrome yeah. so we just saw this at the time we just looked at it other and thought, what the hell and I sort of thought that's what I bloody said to that surgeon or specialist <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I laughed at my face um but she this poor geneticist like she was in that much shock giving the news she was almost bowling like she's probably
0: eyes. never given anyone that news before
3: no as she said she's given it like once or twice in her whole career mm-hmm.
0: um and can we just stop went- for one second can yeah. you tell us what vascular ellis daniel Sy- syndrome is like
3: vascular elders danlos syndrome it's a life-threatening genetic um condition um most of the time it tends to uh come from a parent um and then it will you've got a 50 50 chance of that parent and passing it down but then there is also cases where you can be just a spontaneous uh family member who it just randomly starts off with Um, So it's a fault in the um, COLE-3A1 gene, which is your type 3 uh, collagen, which type 3 uh, collagen uh, affects your vessels, your skin, uh, pretty much a lot of things in your body. So your organs. organs, uh, Yeah. Um, So some of the issues someone with VEDS can have is obviously aortic and arterial dissections, which I have personally experienced quite a lot of. Uh, You're more prone to heart attacks, stroke. Um, The real serious side of things can be a spontaneous organ rupture. So any organ can just decide to rupture.
0: Like with your mum's heart.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, which then obviously if it's a good enough, uh, you know, rupture, it can lead to devastating blood loss which can lead to loss of life um Mm.
2: yeah and i think to dimension is vascular Alzheimer's is such a spontaneous um genetic condition it can affect um anyone at any time of their life You, you don't have any symptoms it'll just you'll have a medical episode and there is you know some people that'll have it and they won't have issues for a long time or you know you might have children who don't ever get affected by it till later on in life, but it's so spontaneous. And I think that's probably the worst part about it. You just don't know when things can happen.
3: So so obviously I I was 27 at the time of the diagnosis, but during my actual childhood to teenage years to that point of time, I had issues, especially with soft tissue injuries playing football. But at the time, obviously, without knowing I had VEDs, you just brush it off and go, Oh, you know, maybe it's you're growing or you've got a tight back, so your hamstrings. But a common thing for me was when I was playing football and cricket was tearing my hamstrings or pulling the hamstring. And I put it down to maybe, you know, it was just growing and my back was tight. So um, but as we've found out now, that was a reason because of the faulty collagen. My hamstrings just could not handle the the amount of sport I was playing and the, you know,
0: the so pressure you, of all that. In, in reality, you're probably lucky to have made it to 27 without any dissections given the amount of sport and contact sport yep. you were doing and playing. And
3: Well, this um, is the thing. Um, obviously, without knowing that I was having dissections, I may have had issues, but then... Not thought of it too much, and when you yeah. know when you don't know what's going on, you, I probably brushed it to the side. So there is a possibility that issues could have happened or arisen, but I've just brushed it off. And yeah. luckily, it wasn't a life-threatening situation, which could have ended, you know, bad. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so I think yeah. from the geneticist, then we because we were sitting there holding our two boys, that she just said well, you know, you have vascular ultrasound loss and that means your children could too. We need to get them straight in for genetic testing at the Royal Children's. Hmm. And we were like, whoa, okay. Like,
3: Yeah, it's, it, it's when they turn around and said, you know, being the parent of the kids, you've got a 50-50 chance of passing it down. Um, and I might add, once I had my diagnosis, the geneticist actually said to me, this is what we believe your mum and her sister, has; they had VEDS as well because yeah. it's too much of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And they put it down to me, mum having VEDS, is, which is how I inherited it. So,
2: mm-hmm. Which has been confirmed via genetic testing yeah. through other family members. Yep. You know, I guess that first initial geneticist appointment to give you the news opened a massive can of worms because you then had to give a letter to all your family yep. who yeah. has had parents pass away and say, look, this is a genetic condition I have. They believe it's linked to your parent passing away yep. and, you know, my parent and we're cousins and we're, you know, family and whatever else. So you should get tested too if you'd like to. Yeah, so... and, and the Royal Melbourne did all that for free. They covered all yeah. the yeah. appointments. And oh.
3: that's that's when it gets crazy is when someone comes when people were coming back in family with positive results of veds Mm -hmm. it's sort of a link in the chain was added because then you're like oh so that's how they they obviously got it passed down through their parent through their side and then you know that's how me and a couple of my sisters received the the veds gene and and then that's how my boys received it because i passed it on down to them
1: Mm -hmm. Feel being the like the one
3: to find out i i personally i felt really guilty it was not mm. the best news to you know pass on a letter to extended family say hey look i've got this condition there's a possibility that you guys may have it too um you've been referred to genetic testing they highly recommend you get it um it was a lot of guilt um mm. like you don't want to put that on any family member to say hey you may have this I've just yeah. found out. Um, and you also don't know how family members are going to react to that news too. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't want to be hated as a family member for passing that on. But then at the same time, you've got to come from the point of view, if there is a chance of them having this condition, yeah, I thought wouldn't, the way I thought of it was, was wouldn't you like to know um, so you can yeah. prepare yourself and be aware of the mm-hmm. situation?
0: Especially if they have kids as well.
3: Definitely. Like,
0: you know, like there's a, if there are some, you know, obviously it's quite a genetic condition that's passed on maybe more easily than some others. I don't know how genetics works, but, I mean, if your mum and auntie, the likelihood is they both had it. Yeah. So then, and you have it, and if you've got sisters that end up having it and then your boys both have it, like that. It, it seems to be passed on quite easily. And I and I understand how, yeah. you know, it's not your fault that, that other people might have it. It's not your parents' fault either. Like obviously genetics are genetics, but I can understand how stressful that must have been for you. A, you're mm. going through it. You're having dissections regularly. You still have no idea what the treatment is or now mm. you're being told that you have this horrible condition that, you know, will limit your life. At some point you have no idea when that's going to be. You've got two young kids and then you're like giving this news to your family and being like,
3: yeah. I'm really and
0: sorry, but you, you might have this too. And, you know, like I get that they can't shoot the messenger, but I could get how you must feel so the, overwhelmed. The
3: scary thing about that too was that obviously with the family members that passed away at early ages, that didn't really hit off too well because they, you know, they were quite young. So mm. when obviously then we were told that like the, they say for the, the veds, uh, a male is a medium age of survival for a male is 48 years of age. And then the medium age for a female is 52. So going off that, my two family members didn't make it and they were the females. Mm. So that's when it really sent like a bit of a shockwave to you. You're like, you know, Through the
1: family. Mm-hmm. And the, it, fam-
3: the family hadn't gone, you know, too well with the lifespan. Yeah. So what is this going to be a recurring yeah. a pattern? And and
2: know, it was also did. to, I mean, telling family members, look, like we have confirmation. You've got the first person who's died. Their ch- some of their children is positive. Brother's mum and a couple of him, his sisters and him, are positive, but then also his grandpa, who is nearly ninety eight years old, came back positive with VETS, oh, really? but has a mosaic form of VETS, so he will never be affected by it. But he has passed it through, so right. it started with somewhere along the line, yeah, his grandpa. So it was confirmed that. Grandpa has vets, He's had children. He's passed it through to his daughters. he's their daughter, uh, sorry, his daughters. So Brad's mom and his auntie, they passed it on to their children, and so it was confirmed that they hundred percent had vets because there was no other way for Bradley and some of his sisters and yeah. his cousins yeah. to yeah. have gotten it.
3: And more at the in each on the auntie's side. Not her whole um, children no. were positive. Only some, like, only a couple. Yeah. And then same with my side is me and uh, a couple of sisters. But then I had some sisters who got weren't, weren't positive. So uh, yeah,
0: it's, that's 50, it's
3: really 50. it's yeah, it's that yeah, 50, exactly
2: 50, yeah,
3: how it plays out. And mm. and going back to you know obviously how you feel like
2: it was so know, hard
3: when that's all happening. You feel so guilty because you are like
2: mm. it's
3: it's a major interruption on their lives mm. that,
2: and we had so much we had a lot of backlash of I don't want to know or um some, I don't think that's true some
3: family members didn't didn't go down it. well um and to this day some still aren't a hundred percent with it even though I the think pre-
0: ignorance is bliss though isn't it like if, yeah. if sometimes it's it the reality is too hard to digest. You know, yeah. Right. yeah,
3: but at the end of the day, you've got that confirmation, you got the paperwork, yeah. you know, it's legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, some people believe
2: they all things and then things differently. Yeah,
3: everyone takes on uh, things differently. So, yeah. but yeah, that it was very stressful at a time giving mm. that news to other family members, and you're like, you know, have I ruined their life? But no. then in the back of your mind, you're yeah. like, at the back of your mind, you saw, like, well, hopefully. If the worst come the worst and they do have it, hopefully it will, you know, lead them in good stead and they can get checked and monitored and they're aware of the situation, which yeah. then might and work out. Yeah.
2: they can also make life choices.
3: Yeah. We had two yeah.
2: children without knowing.
3: Yeah. That we have That's the right. choice
2: now to have children and remove the chromosome with IVF
3: hmm.
2: or not have children at all and also look after themselves. Whereas we did
0: not have a choice. I think as well, even the ones that don't want to get tested, if something was to happen, they have the knowledge still they to know. say, well, actually, yes. my family have this genetic. I've not been tested, but the chances yeah. are if I'm having this event, maybe yeah. I do yeah. have it. And can we do yeah. something? We that that VAD stuff is so interesting. And I remember um like because you guys lived in the same town as me and and um and yeah. I said this when we first jumped on the Zoom, like I can remember um hearing like the chopper land on the oval in town and just thinking oh oh, shit (laughs) is that brad (laughs) is brad okay and like reaching out because everyone was so aware you're so open about it and you are so open and we're going to talk about this a bit later in the in the episode about your advocacy for for veds in australia well, that wraps up part one of A Devastating Diagnosis with Brad and Holly Jones. Um, their story is just incredible and I love how well Brad is just talking about everything that's happened to him. He was a little concerned at the start, worried that his memory might let him down. But um, Holly was by his side to help answer and fill in those blanks. Um, we hope you come back next week to listen to part two because we learn that Brad not only has one devastating diagnosis, but he has two. Um, so don't forget to leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us on um, and follow us on Instagram at 2HumorousNursesPodcast. Humorous Nurses Podcast. You can also follow Brad at his, which is Veds, V-E-D-S, underscore Zebra um, on Instagram. I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, and... We um will see you next week. Bye.